From the new studio location in Omaha, Nebraska, it's time for another edition of The Other Kind of Radio. Talk Radio. This is episode 50, and today is April 28th. More on the 50th episode in just a moment. The Other Kind of Radio is a weekly podcast where we attempt to put the pop in pop culture. I already apologize for that poor week description. But bear with me. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. If you're a returning kind listener, welcome back. We hope you had a good week, actually a good month. It's been almost a month since we have filled your ears with our sound. Um, We hope that you were able to drink from the uh, pop culture cup and enjoying a little downtime. For those of you who are first-time listener, congratulations on navigating the podcast maze to find us. We are glad you are here and want you to enjoy the show. As always, we encourage our listeners to like, subscribe, rate our show as it helps feed the algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. We also encourage you to check out uh, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can always send us an electronic mail by typing info at the other kind of radio in the to field. We're ready to hear from you. Welcome back. I think I went through that a little fast. The acoustics are different in this room as well. So for the audio files out there, we've replaced uh, the fan or the air con- the air conditioning <laughs> background noise with a little bit of uh, I'm getting almost get just a tinge of uh, reverb, but that's good. It means I uh, I have some work to do. Anyway, let's get the better half on the show. Uh, he is a movie maker, guitar player. Not a drum major, but a drum player, book author, and all-around renaissance man. Let's welcome Todd. Todd, are you there? Can you hear me? I'm sorry, what? Yes. <laughs> yes, Jeff, I can. How are you, my friend? You know, we go. Oh, hey, I want you to go ahead and finish that drink of coffee that you were <laughs> beginning. So, Jeff, I've missed talking to you. It, it feels like... I don't know, like a month since we really had time to sit down and talk. I know it's it's been really crazy, and I feel awful for the other kind of listeners. We tried to record a couple times, but uh, I've been on multiple trips, and work has been pretty crazy. So, uh, and then we had uh, to move the studio, so that took up uh, additional time. And you know, now we're we're uh, we're rocking and rolling, and uh, and we're back to navigating and putting the pop and pop culture. If if we're putting the pop and pop culture, does that mean that I'm snap and you're crackle? Right. Okay. Nice. I'm Thank glad, you. I'm that glad... was pop culture there, full circle. <laughs> glad you said crackle. I think you. <laughs> I thought you were going to just say, I'm popping, you're the crack. Um, <laughs> I thought about it. It really did cross my mind, but I thought I'm not going to work too blue today. Uh, so, yeah, uh, on today's show, um, we have a number of things that we're going to talk about. Um, but let's let's get a little uh, a little catch up. Uh, like I said, um, for, the, for the kind listener, Todd and I, we really don't talk on a day-to-day basis. I mean, we literally catch up and save most of our stuff for the podcast. So... Uh, I actually was listening to our last episode just to kind of get caught up uh, uh, with things. And I think uh, right as uh, we recorded the last episode, which is almost a month ago, you were just finishing up um, 
some archery stuff. But uh, hey, you know, please tell us tell us what's going on. What have you been up to? How are things in Dallas? Um. So yeah, archery season's done, and I think my little three person family breathed a very collective deep sigh of relief to be like, okay, well we can stop now. But archery is a sport that you you must commit to year round. Yeah. Um, and so we took a few weeks off and we're back in training again for next season. Um, but the big thing for me right now is that, and I don't, I try not to do this too often, but you've mentioned before me playing music and I have a new band that is starting to get just a little bit of traction. Ooh. We're playing some gigs at uh, some breweries. Uh, we booked a gig at House of Blues. Wow. And things are going very well. And we're the, the feedback we're getting are people really liking it. And so to allow you to drink even more coffee, I'll, I'll continue just to verbally vomit. <laughs> um, this is, and I may have mentioned this in a past show, but it was an idea that I, I had a long time ago about, I, I love Americana music, the music where it can be, it's a little bit rock and roll, but you put banjos and fiddles and whatnot in it. And some people approached me, had heard me sing with Steve and were like, hey, we want you to come play with us. Well, I followed that for a while and that kind of fell apart just because whatever. And it sort of opened the door for me and I said, oh, I'm going to start putting this together. And now I've got this band that if you've ever heard of Postmodern Jukebox, have you ever heard of them, Jeff? <laughs> no. In fact, I was I was just going to ask you to, to educate the kind listener as well. And when I say kind listener, me. Do you, are there any well-known, and I'm not talking about your 80s band, Thread Through the Needle or whatever it was. Is there any well-known Americana bands that people can uh, would recognize? Well, sure. You know what? Americana arguably kind of can trace back to at least its current popularity. And this artist loves to say that he created the genre. It's not absolutely true. But if you start looking at John Mellencamp of the oh. era of the album Lonesome Jubilee, oh, um, where he had a song called Cherry Bomb that kind of sound where it's just very natural rock and roll. It sounds a little bit country, sounds a little bit rock and roll. That's Americana. Okay. So the reason I referred to Postmodern Jukebox is they are a band of jazz musicians that started going, wow, there's some really well-written songs right now. What if we played jazz arrangements of it? They put it on YouTube. And I right. think the first was Lady Gaga's Poker Face. And they got tons of hits. Well, yeah. they are now playing a residency in Las Vegas. Where they, what does that they, mean? As, a residency. What does it mean to play a residency? A long-term booking. Ah, it's not just a couple of dates. I think theirs is like a month or something like that. So, should you use that term when when describing a relationship with uh, a significant other? Say, so look, I've I've been in a residency for twenty-five years. This is this is more than just a date. This is a <laughs> <laughs> this is a residency. So they, they take current pop songs and they play jazz versions. We're doing the same thing, oh. kind of putting ourselves towards 80s and 90s songs, but playing Americana versions. So, you know, um, one of the ones that I enjoy the most being a Bruce Springsteen fan, we take Dancing in the Dark, but instead of it being an up-tempo number, we play it more like a, a soft country ballad, mm. and it plays very well. We take some print songs and make, you know, bar band sounds out of them, and we're calling ourselves the dive bar boombox. If they're the postmodern jukebox, we're the dive wow. bar boombox. Wow. And now, have you recorded any of these gigs yet? Or are you getting to that point where you're going to start doing it? Well, we actually have a video on YouTube right now. What? While we're, oh. we're covering uh, Prince's Never Take the Place of Your let's, Man. Let's just stop the showdown for a second here, folks. Uh, what'd you say that was on YouTube? Me, too. Oh, YouTube. Okay. God, I've been going to the wrong URL all these years. 
Just go search. I uh, dance boombox guitar boombox boom pants. What is it again? <laughs> the dive bar boombox. Um. So you so th- you think of the idea that we like good bar bands and a boombox being evocative of the '80s? You're going to hear that kind of music. You you think I'm being a smartass, but what I'm doing is um I'm using the marketing portion of my brain where I'm having you say it over and over so the kind listener will be like, oh, it is dive bar boombox. Okay, the dive bar boombox. I know what you're doing. Um, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> Hang on, it's there. I went. I, I've got. I, I do hope we'll cut some of this out. New boombox in Fortnite. Random new boombox loot dopper game mode in Fortnite. Di- dive bar is all one word. Yep. Is boom, boom is boombox one word? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. I could never take the place of your man. Prince yep. cover. Oh wow. Yep. You know they have color uh, cameras now, right? Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't like them. Oh, okay. I liked it. Okay. Wow, this person has a big house. Brought to you by... This is one of my favorite Prince songs, by the way. So a couple observations, um, yep. because you know that's exactly what. You're... Oh, something's happening. I think I think she may be vacuuming right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've had to deal with the dog barking. You have to deal with vacuuming. This is awesome. Well, I apologize, kind of listeners. There's a background noise, but anyway. Um, so I noticed that your uh, your label for Mike One was still on on the back of the. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of like that too. <laughs> That is awesome. Boom the Thanks. boom the dive bar boom box band. Check out their video. Again, we have color cameras. Don't know why you didn't get one. Maybe the cost Okay, was so high. if you want me to peel the, co- the the thing back, anytime we do a cover, I'm gonna put it in black and white. And we do oh. have a couple of originals. Anytime it's an original, it'll be it will be recorded live at a gig and it will be in color. Who is the guy that was strapped to the ceiling of the house doing the down shot on you guys? That was probably not a very pop- popular person, you know. So this is where I get into the... Was it a drone? Did you have a drone hovering up there? Yeah, it was a drone, Jeff. That's exactly it. Because in the middle of already shooting a lot of stuff and playing the music, I made sure to launch a drone. No, I um, I borrowed one GoPro from a friend, which is the, you know, when we're talking about 
production, the hero shot. So mm -hmm. whoever is your main focus, and that would be me and my co-lead singer, yes. Jesse Mutka. That's different than the money uh, shot. Yes, go ahead. But uh, then I went and bought, I went to Amazon. I was like, I want cheap knockoff GoPros. And they had this special on these little yeah. cameras, and they were yeah. $25 a piece, and they came with clamps where you could clamp them up top. And I thought, screw it, I'm getting me a nice. high-up shot with this. And it turned out pretty good. You bought yourself a black and white version of that. Good. Nice. No, this is all kidding aside. This is great. There's like for the kind listener at home, obviously you couldn't see the video, but um there's like fifteen people in this band. It's uh, seven. But oh, thank okay. you. Well, I was close. Uh <laughs> no, this is great and it's getting traction. So uh before we move on, this is fantastic because we didn't even talk about this in the uh, pre con talk about how the right. show's gonna go dot com portion of the show. Um, where is your next gig? I mean, I I'm flying down. I wanna I wanna see it. Uh, this Friday we play at the Hoppenstein Brewery in Grapevine, which they've turned out to be some of our big, big supporters. I, I play mm. there with Steve sometime and I was just talking to one of the, the owners and I said, you know, look at this band. Would you ever have a band? He's like, I don't know. That's a lot, you know, for a little place like this. And then he said, yeah, let's do it. We came there and he was just fanatically obsessed and they're, they have 30,000 followers on Ooh. Facebook and he's tweeting out all or oh. sending out all the time, just like these guys are great. And so we're getting people paying attention to us it's a little scary well then when things get really crazy i'm i'm staking a claim i'm putting a flag in the ground and that this will be the first place you have your uh band interview on the you know what i would radio. love to do let's do that yeah. and you know what i'll even have them show up and maybe we'll play live on the show there you go and we'll have to get 15 microphones and a drone and sadly, but there's there's one thing that i do have to throw out jeff though absolutely. i i i've i've held off on this but I would like for you to join the band, and here's your job. Oh. You're going to sit with a big boom box in your lap, and you're going to turn it on and hold it. So it's literally the literal interpretation of the name, and you're just going to sit there and hold the boom box. Like John Cusick in uh, oh, yes. that movie. What was but that your movie? arms can't get tired. We play about two and a half hours. Your arms have to stay really strong. Okay. I'll do my best. I, and I can't make it Friday. I'm getting my eyeballs waxed, so... Um, I'll just uh, I'll be with you there. Yeah. In Man, that's almost like my mom saying I can't make it because you suck. <laughs> Whoa! It, it's that close. Not a lot of people, the kind listener out there, might know about eyeball waxing. It's important. It's 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 an up and coming uh, grooming. Oh god! So kind listener, that's yes. what I've been doing with my time. Is, All right. is lots of that and trying to book gigs and things like that. I love it. I love it. I love any time you do stuff outside and. And it's uh, it's catching on, and then yeah, we'll have to get you up to. Uh, I'll have to start booking some venues here in Omaha and uh, get you guys to come up and do a gig. We'll do it. All right. Uh, as far as me, oh, that's hard to follow that up. I mean, good lord. Uh, so just so you know, I've started my own band. Um, <laughs> we are the uh, Bar Box Booms, and uh, <laughs> the Bar Box, the Bar Box Dives, the Bar Box Dives, and. Uh, the thing is, I mean, and just to pull the curtain back a little bit, all the videos, all the songs we do that are covers we shoot in color, all the originals are in black and white. So uh, God, that's just, such an original way of doing things. <laughs> just, just just ripping ripping pages right out of your book. Um, so it has been close to a month. I, uh, part of the reason why, kind listener, it's been so long since we've recorded is uh, I have had a kind of, a, for the spring, the most craziest portion of my job. Um, I've been in a number of cities, uh, one of which was New Orleans, and uh, spent 10 days down there. And 10 days in New Orleans is a little bit like 10 days in Las Vegas. New Orleans is a great city, great food, great people. 
but uh, you know, I and, I and I think you summed it up best on the last uh, episode when you said it really didn't matter where you are after ten days. You know, you're ready to go. So yeah. And New Orleans has a different pace, uh, and especially when I'm there again. And as new kind listeners may or may not know, I, I travel for work. So when I'm there, it's nice to you know see people with beignets and and pounding beers in the middle of the day. But for me, I'm just trying to get to get a sandwich. I just want something to to eat. And often the work uh, work pace uh, in New Orleans is very relaxed. So it, what normally would take uh, six or seven minutes takes close to 15. And that takes a little bit of getting uh, used to. But um, as usual, uh, New Orleans is a great host. Uh, they're really good people, really nice people. And I look forward to the next time we'll be down there. And then I also got to spend a couple days in Orlando. And... Orlando is a weird city in the sense that uh, there are just always people there. Um, you know, with that type of climate where the weather's always good, everybody's going to Disneyland for the first time. So you're flight out your entire time there. You're surrounded by kids and parents um, trying to handle those kids. And uh, those of you that follow me on Instagram saw uh, I had a posting. I Todd, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I had a submission for the creepiest wallpaper of 2019. Mm. Um, you should check it out. It's uh, this wallpaper is very, very, very weird. Uh, basically, it's kind of a cartoon drawing of families on balconies, but all of them, the eyes are all wide open with just a little black dot right in the middle. So they're all just kind of like you know staring at you. Um, so that was a little weird. Um, but I did get to witness uh, an interesting thing on the flight out. I was at the airport, and I always take a pretty early flight. And there was a woman with three children. I say ages anywhere between three and five. And she was sitting on the f on the floor in the airport, which to me, I, I never understand why people do that because it's got to be pretty grimy with everybody walking around. And she had her hands pressed to her face, covering her eyes, and what looked to be a sheer, you know, exhaustion pose. And her kids were just climbing all over. And the kids were just having a ball. They had just probably just gone to Disneyland and got to see Mickey and Minnie and everything. But the mother had had it. And I, so I, I noticed her. And then, of course, you know, as soon as you see something like that, you start looking around. And I, I was amazed at how many other parents were there having that same type of moment where they were just like, please, Lord, get me out of here. I know I'm getting on an XYZ, you know, length flight. I just want to be home. I want to be in my bed. I want to get out of here. Uh, so I, I don't know. Have you ever taken uh, Abby to Disneyland or Disney World? Yeah, we, we've been a couple of times. And, you know, I've, I've really touted my wife's great virtues as uh, uh, traveling with her yeah um she's great at getting you in and out so you don't oh. deal with a lot of that garbage oh, but wow. i you know, you know this i went to school in orlando oh, and i was there right. for just shy of two years <laughs> and you pretty much nailed it it's just the weirdest damned place on earth because yeah. it's perpetually happy yes that's it, it never stops right um when we lived there i don't know that they still do this but we used to call it the disney propaganda paper oh you would literally get a a, a, a random not not i'm sorry a, a frequent that's hello exact opposite words <laughs> um 
you would get a frequent letter type thing delivered to your front step or in the in the mail or something that was sort of like here's all the things happening with disney and it really it was all about the happiness and i was like this is creepy yeah they they want you to be perpetually happy for the people that come in here you know and i would that time was a 20 year old snotty kid right in school so yeah it's, it's a weird weird place i think i think you hit the nail on the head because the people are nice everybody's really nice very accommodating everything was uh you know I, i'm not commenting on the people or, or or the interactions i had everybody was really nice but that's the one thing. It's where you're looking at a picture and you're going, you know, something about this is out of place. What is it? And that's exactly it. It's everybody's happy. And it's right. just kind of like this is weird. Like you don't you just don't see a lot of, you know, people throwing walking around throwing F bombs like you do in San Francisco or Chicago right. or <laughs> and you it's, need a little I bit mean, of that. You want a little bit of it because you know, when you talk about <laughs> New Orleans, I, I think that places like New Orleans really do fit in that mold of hey it's great to visit for a few days but after a while i want to go home because it's such a different way of life yeah uh when when you go to vacations where it's a little more maybe slowed down sort of coastal you can see why people might stay for longer but you know new orleans is hard to be there yes orlando's harder yeah i agree because it's a it's a fakeness to it whether you want to admit or not, there's, there's truly, and I don't, I look again, I live there. I, there were a lot of nice people. One of the loveliest women I ever knew owned a little diner where we would stop in. loved her. They're, they're great people there. I just don't like the city that much. Right. Right. What's the, what's the word for the stuff that's put on like uh, wedding cakes is it's fondant. Is that what it yeah. is? Mm-hmm. It's like fondant. I mean, it looks great, but as far as true taste, then, you know, maybe, maybe there's a little lacking and now we've turned into a cooking show. So uh, there you go. Oh, wait, we aren't a cooking show? <laughs> Damn it. When you start talking about Snap Crack on Pop earlier, I thought we were making, you know, Rice Krispie treats. Yeah. yeah. We just, you know, we have on a little boom box dive band bar box thing and we're good to go. <laughs> uh, minimalist. That's my superpower. Uh, so that's basically what I've been up to traveling, uh, moving the studio and everything else. It's been a pretty crazy month. And again, to the kind listeners out there, uh, we're back and, and uh, you know, although, you know, sometimes... The, the, what does it say? Uh, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder. Maybe the kind listener will be a little, uh, a little, a little happier to see us since it's been a while since uh, we've been on. But that's that's what I've been doing. That's catching up with Todd and Jeff, and uh, we we have it's a very shortened version. Um, but let's get that uh, over aggressive typewriter out. It's time for headlines. It's time for headline. Headline. <laughs> headline. Welcome to headline. I'm Ted Koppel. Um, and all we have is is one note because we are going to spend. I didn't even I didn't even preface the show in the beginning thing. I didn't even say we we're going to talk about this time. I'm sure you read it in the uh, in the uh, uh, description of the show. We're going to talk uh, Avengers today. Um, so, uh, before we get to that, we are going to follow up yet again on a story that Todd and I have been following and that's, that's around, uh, one of Todd's, um, mentors and, and people he uh, admires when it comes to film and that's Steven Spielberg. And it finally was noted that the Oscars replied to Spielberg's fit about, um, you know, uh, Netflix and other sources like that getting Oscar nominations, and the Oscars organization just said gave gave uh, Spielberg the big Heisman said thank you but no thank you good day sir, they will continue to uh, allow um, 
uh, Oscar submissions from from streaming services, and I think that's good. It's a uh, a good way, uh, a good path for them to start laying down. Because of course, Netflix is the big giant, so that means it should trickle through the the other uh, services that, that stream as well. I, I really thought that this was a sign of the movie industry being very wise compared to what the the music industry did years and years ago with the Napster thing, where they tried to squash this idea of digital distribution and it ended up killing that industry. Yeah. Um, the, the, once a technology exists where people can get what they want like this, you cannot go back. You just, you can't do it. Instead, what the movie industry said was, look, we think we're right at the exact same place where people are going to quit going to the movie theaters, except for what we're going to talk about this week, which is Avengers Endgame. When you have these monstrosity releases, they're going to go for that. Yeah the academy was not stupid and they knew better than to bite the hand not just that will feed them but will become the plate the meal everything fantastic and i you know i i i found as i read those releases on that i found spielberg's comments about this to be even further down the rabbit hole of short-sighted comments mm-hmm. because really the awards this is him being a selfish brat and i i i I adore him right um he is he is being a spoiled child to say oh they don't deserve what we get i already went down the the list of fine if that's your way of thinking then here are great movies like lawrence of arabia that to me are tv movies because i've never seen them on a big screen yeah what do awards have to do with how you enjoy a movie the right. awards you I, you know how much i hate award shows but uh, remove that from this conversation and this has no merit whatsoever right this is him throwing a fit saying he doesn't want to compete against things that are put over there tough shit yeah and you know i already made mention of this and, and maybe this is our segue into where we're going but i found the grand irony um of the this entire conversation in that when I went to see Avengers Endgame this week, I had such a horrible theater experience that all I could think right. was Mr. Spielberg, brother, dude, you have formed my collective consciousness on movie making. Yeah. You and about a handful of others were the guys I grew up watching and going before I went out and watched the greats like Truffaut and all these kind of things. Right. Let me bring you to the movie theater with me. Yeah. Sit your ass down and you'll <laughs> see what the problem is with the movie experience. It's not that I can watch it at home. It's that this is so bad that I want to watch it at home. Yes. Yeah. Because there are too many factors you're dealing with. We're going to touch on that in just a second. Uh, before we move on to our main stage, I was able to make a phone call. I talked to Grover from Sesame Street as far as his feelings on this whole Netflix Oscar thing. And this is what he had to say. Yes. Yes. That sounds like an excellent idea. Okay. So, you know, I don't. No, the F-bomb was necessary, Grover, but that's fine. Okay. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll go ahead and put the aggressive typewriter back. That's all we had for headlines because we are going to focus the mainstay of the show on Avengers Endgame. So at this point, ladies, gentlemen, kind listeners. Um, oh, that, that was a car crash. That's not good. Let's just, there we go. We'll put the brakes on and let you know that... We're going to talk some spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoiler alert. Alert, alert, alert. There's the fog. You're out of control with the new studio. Do you have extra buttons for sound effects? We'll do do some thunder. So if you have not seen Avengers Endgame, 
press pause, go to your theater, or wait 15 years for it to come out on digital format, and then come back to us, and then you can uh, hear what's going on with it. So, again, spoiler alert, we're going to talk spoilers, or if you don't care, Avengers, and just want to hear two guys waste a bunch of oxygen about what they think about the movie, then uh, continue to listen. So, with that being said, let's continue on to our center stage, and let's talk... Uh, let's talk, uh, Avengers. So Todd, um, Jeff. when we were doing the, the pre-planning call, I want to hear, I want you to set it up. Don't get too deep into it, but I've just got a few questions. Got to do my usual bit here. Did you, what theater did you go to? I went to the Stonebriar AMC, which is about 15 miles away from me. A little bit of a drive. Ah, Stonebriar. <laughs> All right. So, uh, was it just you? Was it family? Was this a solo? It was just me because my girls had things to do this weekend. They tried to say we wait on this, but they know better. Right. A movie like this, I need to see at the opening right. weekend. Did you know that it was three hours long? I did. <laughs> yeah, apparently, you did not. No, I did. I always look at that one. I'm going to get on that uh, in just a second. Uh, snacks? Did you have drinks? Did you have food? I had my standard, which is popcorn. With a soda of some sort. What kind of soda? Uh, this time I went for diet root beer. I just uh, something nice. about the, okay. the diet coke made me want to retch that day, so All I went right. diet root beer. I went to the Exarbon uh, Cinema. The what? Exarbon. Uh, Exarbon what, is what is an Exarbon? Exarbon is an area of town that used to have uh, a racetrack and kind of was a. Um, uh, where the they had a also had an arena where the semi pro basketball team played and the uh, the Lancers would, the hockey team would play. Exarbin for everyone out there is Nebraska spelled backwards, so that was their okay. Kind so of somebody thing. they said, what are we going to name this part of the town? While that person was incredibly drunk, and they went, hey, I think it'd be funny we call Exarbin. Let's call it Exarbin. Let's call it Ted's. Let's call it Boombox Meltdown. Oh, um, I knew this would come back to slapping me. I knew it. <laughs> I would. I am done. I'm severing the uh, the. Uh, what's the thing that babies have? Extension cord. Hope. Yes, babies have hope. I'm cutting the extension cord. I will not uh, give you a hard time about <laughs> the that. The extension cord, because every baby comes out hooked to an outlet in a wall with. An oh, I'm sorry. The umbilical cord. I there always called it, it the extension cord, but uh, in a, in a way, it's. I've a... always wondered why I had a three pronged place of my belly button and we're back welcome to the other kind radio where we're talking <laughs> avengers or maybe not um okay so uh i went to the exarban theater um that has assigned seating and i had my usual which was a hot dog nachos and a dr pepper because one of our kind listeners told me i should not drink mountain dew i should drink dr pepper so i did that all right a question for you. Is sure. Dr. Pepper easily found up there in yes. Nebraska? I know yeah. that's more of a Texas-based drink, and I know it hits the South sometimes more than other places. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty prevalent up here. There's a lot of okay. Dr. Pepper drinkers. Please uh, go ahead. Um, so my next question for you is, Did when you're purchasing your ticket, did you get an assigned seat? I did. And one of the reasons, you know, I'm very excited to use AMC. Yeah. AMC has this thing, especially for movie nerds like me, where it's, you know, when MoviePass came out, yeah. it created these things now where I pay them, I think it's $15 a month, and I get three free movies like every two weeks. Oh, wow. So my ticket was free. Nice. Yeah, nice. and then I get a little bit of preferential treatment that really didn't work out this time. What kind of treatment? 
preferential. You, you, when you show up and you're an A Stubbs member with AMC, they have a, a line where you're supposed to go through the concessions faster because anybody that's at the concession is supposed to look over there and go, oh, A Stub member next. Yeah, thank you. I knew I was wondering where that music was. <laughs> Every one of them ignored me. And I'm like, uh, I pay for this. You guys, I'm supposed to be first. So I am going to have to write to AMC and just go, you might want to educate those ding dongs. So you're platinum. I am platinum. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, it's kind of like the fast pass, and I get that. It is. I mean, I, as much as, and again, in traveling, I, I have status on planes, but I, I understand some of the ideology behind it because it does, for those that are regular, or frequent moviegoers or flyers, it does make the life a little bit easier. And in yep. some ways, you just know you can get through and, and you know, get where you're going. Um, whereas I see it every time I'm on a plane, there's always somebody new or a family that new that's that's flying. And I, you know, I identify and I feel for them because they're trying to figure out where their seats are and, you know, how to get the seat belts on and all that good stuff. Not me. I'm pushing them out of the way going, move. <laughs> you're going, move. <laughs> all right so um so i did have assigned seating i'm going to go ahead and go through up to the beginning of the previews and then uh, i want you to uh, kind of describe your experience as well there's a couple things i noticed and um, i have to preface this by saying you know I, I i i always try to identify with people that are maybe not having the best day or are new to a situation and trying to figure out how things work but folks Kind listeners, it's 2019, and when you go to a movie, most times, and even in old-fashioned Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, where we just got power and electricity and everything, you have assigned seats, and you got to look at that. And I sat there and watched three parents, three different parents with kids, move seats multiple times because they didn't understand that there was assigned seating. And they were getting mm. they were getting frustrated, and you know you you got to make sure since you're you know you're the project manager of going to the movie theater, you are purchasing the tickets, you are escorting, you're getting snacks, you're getting all that stuff, you are executing the event. Please take a moment and find out where your seat is because they were getting frustrated. Uh, another thing that happened with this movie in particular, right as the previews started to play and that's a half hours worth of previews and then even when the movie started we still had people coming into the theater this is for a 130 showing so of course i'm thinking like people show up on time but i understand you got kids and kids don't have shoes on and then they can't find their pants and then all this other stuff so there's all kinds of reasons why they may have been a little late but i felt really bad because one of the mothers was getting a little frustrated and i didn't see her start to cry but she definitely looked very stressed because she just couldn't figure out uh, what was going on as far as the seats. Now, I probably should have stood up and tried to help her, but I was afraid <laughs> that if I stood up that somebody would come take my seat and then I'd have to kick them out. Um, so it was a, it was very, very disorganized and, and, and rather distracting trying to settle in and get into the, get in the film with everybody running around. Um, I also got to sit next to, or I'm sorry, in front of me was a family of three um, the teenager who probably was the most excited about seeing the movie gets, uh, 10 stars. Excellent. I would watch a movie with that young man anytime. The parents. Oh Lord. All right. First of all, talking. Second of all, I don't know where they went. Maybe it was WW loudest, uh, food packaging in the world.com, but it, they were constantly pulling stuff out of their bag, which I understand we do that to save money, but it was the loudest, crinkliest, 
opening. And they talked through the entire film. At one point, the mother, I'm assuming the mother, uh, stood up and stretched, which was right in front of me, and, you know, like kind of like walked around the theater, you know, trying to loosen up. And I'm just like, you know, if, if you don't, if you, one, if you don't want to see Avengers, two, you don't know it's a three hour movie. If you need to go stretch, step outside the theater, go do what you need to do. But I'm trying to watch this for our kind listeners and then give a, you know, a unprofessional review of it. But, it was very distracting. It was one of, and this leads back to what you were saying earlier, one of the worst theater-going experiences. And because I'm not uh, AMC Platinum Member of the Month, you know, I paid $10 for the ticket, and I'm just saying, it's getting to that point. Right back to what you were saying about Spielberg. Why don't, Hey, buddy, why don't you come watch a movie with Todd and I? We'll go to Dallas or you can come up to Omaha. And now we can start, about, start talking about the theater experience and why... You identify it so closely to having to be on that big screen. Because I'll tell you right now, I would have enjoyed the movie more watching it from home. I couldn't agree more, Jeff. I So many of the things that I dealt with in, in the movie are actually pretty close to what you had. So I do show up. I get in there. I, you know, I show up with about 10 minutes to spare because I knew this is a long movie. I'm right. going to try and go to the restroom at the last minute that yeah. I can so that yeah. my bladder doesn't explode. Right. And... I succeed on that front. Now, on on an oddity, there was someone singing selections from Les Miserables while they're in the, the stall in the bathroom. I literally, I heard one more day, and I was like, "What is going on?" And of course, I told Shelley, my wife, about that later. She said, "You really, since I'm a theater nurse, she said you probably should have started singing the other parts with them." Yeah. One more day to revolution. You know, it would have been funny. However, finally, go to the the movie theater. I sit down. And, and, and initially, it's really not a bad experience, and I, I don't get my preferred seat because I kind of did this last minute. I really like to kind of be very center of the screen, and I got a little off to the right, but I can deal with that. No big deal. This is where it begins to fall apart because, actually, I, there's one more good thing. Yeah. This cinema very wisely showed the majority, the bulk of their trailers while people were coming into the cinema before. Oh. The only trailer they showed once the lights went down was the new star wars trailer mm. and i thought this is pretty smart when you got a three-hour movie because if you're showing it three times during the day you're going to be then committing a 30 minutes to each movie that's an hour and a half you probably could argue you could get an extra showing in if you did what they did yeah 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 you're right you're right so it was a very that's a great experience that was very wise on their part to make more money and it made me feel like i didn't have to commit four hours to this long movie right right now I, I too had a family of three in front of me, a young girl with her parents and like, and they, they were relatively okay. They talked a lot during the trailers, which I, I, I get it. The movie's not started to keep mm-hmm. your voice down because some people do like to hear, see the yeah. trailers and get a flavor of the movie. And when you're doing that, you're wearing the experience. Right. But then that's when the cinematic equipment, uh, equivalent of nails on chalkboard began with the rustling of popcorns in the, yes. in the bag. We can make a movie where Mark Ruffalo appears as the Hulk throughout the entirety of the movie, and we can't create a fracking bag to put your popcorn in that doesn't make a crap ton of noise. And it, when, I want to say, I want to share one thing with you and the kind listener here. Here, and I'm not saying everybody should do this. I'm, I'm Todd, and I are, are we're, we're movie geeks and and everything. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying everybody should do this. But I purposefully 
ate my nachos and so I worked through the hot dog and a good portion of the Dr. Pepper through the previews and then the movie starts and I'm I'm down to my nachos. I only chewed my nachos when there was a lot of sound going on. Which if you remember I, at the beginning of the movie is there's a lot of silence and I'm just sitting there with with melt <laughs> And they're getting soggy, soggy and going, could you, could you be loud? <laughs> so, I mean, that's the kind of thing that, you know, I do and the expectation I have for myself as far as, you know, how I'm going to present myself in the theater. Because I, it was a packed theater and there was somebody next to me and I didn't want to be the person that was just sitting there just slamming nachos back while, you know, there were quiet parts in the film because obviously that would be distracting. Please continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I do the same thing because I am I I love my popcorn with my movie so much that I will, if I sit there for 10 minutes with my bag of popcorn, I wait till the movie starts because I like yeah. my popcorn with my movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am very, very aware of how much noise I'm contributing to the, yes. the, to the moment. Yes. And I will be very aware of that, even to the extent that I try to, quietly lift my cup if i'm going to get a drink so mm -hmm. yep i try to be aware that i i realize i can't expect others right. to be that way right so i also had a little family next to me and at first i thought oh crap these little <laughs> these little kids are going to talk all the way through they really did a good job so yeah. i want to i want to give them a, you know a nice round of applause yeah they, they were good kids uh-huh um but then it began with the insanity yes thank you kids <laughs> that the movie begins mm -hmm. and a guy shows up and has his cell phone out with the <sighs> flashlight on so he can look and see what seat number yes. and it's just blazing light in a yes. dark environment you're like you are ruining this moment yes. for me yes because you're first off you are too lazy to show up on time boom and here's another thing and, and this he was by far not the only one to show up late there were at least 15 people who showed up late yep I know this movie was near sold out because when I bought my tickets this last minute, when I told the girls, Hey, I'm going to go without you. I was like, Hey, I found one right. seat, yes, one seat available. And it yeah. was the night before. Yeah. Th these people knew they were going to the movies. This was not a last minute impulse. Let's go watch it because they couldn't <laughs> find the tickets. They knew and they showed up late. Then they show up and they have their lights out and all this. How horrifically rude is that? Yeah. Do you so, do you think some people ahead. are starting to starting to come in later because they want to? Oops, sorry, microphone. Uh, because they want to miss the previews. Maybe, yeah. but that's uh, you know, it's just rude because oh, now is, you're asking yeah. people to get out of the way yep. and they're into the movie. Yep. Um, and it, it literally did with the people coming and going and not finding their seats. Excuse me. And then one guy literally stood in the middle of the theater while he waited for his friends to find the seats. He stood in front of somebody. I, I might have been moved to violence. I might right. have been like, get up right. and hit him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it gets infuriating but, pretty quickly, yeah. I'm sorry? It gets infuriating pretty quickly. It does. Yeah. The last thing I want to say is that, to Spielberg's comments, he, he thinks one of the great things about a movie like this is the communal experience and the cheering that goes on. We've gotten to the point, in my opinion, that the cheering is now a chance to say, I did it more than you did. Mm. Um, there are moments in the film that I do think are cheer worthy, you mm -hmm. know, and they got me excited. It's like, wow, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. The little girl in front of me that I mentioned before with her parents mm. began to try to show off that she was the biggest Avengers fan. And she would literally, yeah, come on. Uh, yeah. Mm. And I was like, this is too much. Yeah. This isn't just instinctive emotional outlay it's almost like you're cheering on a hockey team right you're so. you're sharing an experience with other people and i actually thought and I'm, i was wondering whether i should uh put this on the podcast or not in case it actually comes to form but do you think 
we will ever see a movie theater that has headphones? No, I really don't. That they've talked about that they who was it? I can't remember what theater chain it was. Had experimented with. Have you ever seen those big domes that can be over you and it just projects the sound within your environment? So it's near silent oh, outside okay. of yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've talked about things like that that could also negate the glow of a cell phone so people could look at it. I'm like, okay, now you're 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 not understanding. You want to spend billions of dollars to create that right. when all you need is to put attendants back in the movie theaters that say, please turn your cell phone off. Please ah, turn your cell phone off. There you go. You know, Alamo Draft House is great about that. If somebody's yes. talking near yeah, you, you yeah. write a note and they'll they'll remove those yeah. people. Get yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's put up on the screen, so it's very clear yeah. from the get go. Yeah. I think that's important too. Um the only reason why I brought up the headphones was this was the first time I went to see a movie of this this type, and the sound was really low. Or I'm getting old and I can't hear. But it wasn't that yeah, I was ready for that usual earth shattering kind of you know surround sound, and it just it just it just wasn't there. It was pretty low. Um, but um, my experience with that was pretty good because good. that's one of the reasons I go to this theater. They actually have a pseudo IMAX screen they call it IMAX and you know if you ever look at the specs on IMAX it's not complete IMAX but right. it's it's pretty stinking loud Good. and that's one of the reasons I go is to drown out all the crap exactly and that was the thing was that's why I was so tentative as far as eating my nachos because when it was quiet it was I mean it was dead quiet in the theater even with uh, just a little bit of noise coming from the film it was still pretty quiet all right so we're going to remind the kind listeners uh we are going to start getting into elements spoilers and uh, portions of uh revealers or whatever you call them about the movie so again if you haven't seen it and you don't want to hear it this is your final warning all right so we have gotten our seats we've gotten our food we're we're noticing that there are people that are not abiding by the laws of movie going etiquette um i saw my trailers were men in black meh uh aladdin yeah. which still I, why i don't know but okay and the Star Wars uh, trailer, which was super cool and super exciting. I'm very, very... I'm telling you, that that Leia's theme, when I hear it, it evokes such emotion for me just without really thinking about it. So me too. I am super pumped and excited about that movie coming out. I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, once it's released. Um, yep. Okay, so the movie begins. and Obviously, it picks up pretty quick um, from where the last one uh, ended. And they're dealing with Fallout um from when Thanos snapped his fingers. Now again, I'm not a big Marvel. I, I don't I don't know all the history and, and uh, origin stories with these these particular characters, but I thought they did a good job of kind of getting us back in the in, into the grind. Which brings me to my first thing. Oh, I know what we need to do before we get into that. Tale of the tape. I'm sorry, Todd. I've completely forgot. Tell us tell us uh, tell us who directed it, all that good stuff. Uh Avengers Endgame is directed by the Russo brothers, Anthony and Joe Russo, who really are a surprising choice for a film like this because they have an extensive television background. Now, some of that's uh, the show Community and uh, Arrested Development, which have very huge geek followings so, and, and have huge geek elements to them as well. So these guys know what they're doing. But again, they were a surprising choice for a film series as huge as this and i don't just mean huge from a pop culture standpoint i mean right. this is an enormous story to try to tell with this many characters and make a cohesive narrative right so 
And then all the usual stars as far as Paul Rudd and, and everybody playing. All Robert Downey Jr., Chris yeah. Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Scarlett Johansson. I mean, this I, you can make an argument that this may be one of the larger yeah. all-star cast ever yeah. to be put together because it is top to bottom names that the majority of us know who they are. Even the secondary stars, you're like, dude, I know that dude. Right. And so I, it's I, it is no shortage of star power. And I I before we get into actually reviewing, yeah. I just want to say off the top, I'm in awe a little bit of how they were able to navigate this story over two films. Yeah. So great job by them. And I you know, we'll review the elements as we go, yeah. but it is a stellar job of directing just from the standpoint of scope. A, a lot a lot to go through. And yes, you're right. Uh and and a tip of the cap to the people that said, okay, we're going to do all the origin stories, and then we're going to bring them all together in one big film. It's going to make us a lot of money yes. and be completely cool. So that's almost a show for another discussion because exactly. that idea of how many films went into this yeah. and laid the groundwork so that and, the, and and inarguably they are the reason this film works. And it's usually those little extra things that you watched in the credits. They're why this film works because right. it told a little mini story that set this up and set it up beautifully. Yeah. Which leads to me to my first critique, uh, our mention, if you will, which is, I thought this movie suffered from pacing. Now, I think in the beginning of the pre pre call con talk about the show thing, um, we we kind of both found out how we feel about this movie, and I and I think it's going to become apparent pretty quickly here that I, uh, it was three hours. It was to me, it was more necessary to discuss for the podcast, but it, it to me missed more than it hit and i'm not saying that it's not worth seeing or it's a bad movie but i did not feel um content or full when i left the theater and one of the reasons why is what i just said as far as the pacing i felt like it was some of the scenes were really 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 longer than they should have been when when you have such an all-star cast and so many things going on You've got to be really particular about how much time you spend in certain areas because of the um, attention, keeping the, the, the viewer's attention and at the same time progressing the story. Um, I understand that we spent a lot of time with Stark and his daughter, and those were cute scenes. But uh, to me, I felt like they could have been done a little different or at a faster pace. Um and, and I do, like I said, I do like how they start out the movie. I, I I knew just from the little bits I'd read that it, it involved time travel. And I think you and I have discussed this before, and you know my feelings about time travel. Time travel to me is a easy go-to when you've written yourself into a corner. And I'm not saying they did. I'm pretty sure it followed the comic book and everything. But to me, again, time travel was you know what they had to do to get all the stones where they needed to be and, and everything. So from the get-go, the pacing to me was a little bit off. And then, of course, it was time travel. So then you knew, um, you know, that anything was possible and how many layers and different branches off the timeline uh, would exist. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of like the beginning of the movie. Tell me tell me what your what your first uh, hour in the film since there were three was like and what stood well, out to you. Do I not get to do the rebuttal on my uh, my thought of it? Since Absolutely. You did the... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So my thought is that where you said it misses more than it hits, I think it's exactly the opposite. I think it hits more than it misses. <laughs> right. But but its misses are pretty bad. Ooh, okay. Um, I where I I completely disagree with you about the thing about Stark and his daughter because I think if anything, it's the emotional core of the film. Okay. 
Um, I think you cannot expect people to come in and go, oh, the emotional thing of that Spider-Man vanished and died in the first one. It's going to carry over. It's going to resonate. We've, we've already put those feelings in their proper place. We now need a new idea to invest in for the characters to understand what loss is. And maybe it's because as a parent of a daughter, I'm looking at mm. it thinking time travel. Would that mean that I'd erase my daughter, even though I might be able to go back and do all these other things? The paradoxical idea of that was deep enough for me to say, wow, that resonates. Where I think this film misses horrifically are the scenes where it stops down to let them go get the stones yeah. and we see Tony bumping into his dad. Yes. It's like, I don't need this information. No. I already know he's a new dad. I understand that every time I'm a father to my daughter, I see echoes of my own father. I don't need this. And yeah. that was a five to seven minute stretch that I was like, I, I'm bored. Yeah. I don't care. And there were probably about five or six of those moments that I thought you could, this is very self-indulgent. These this 30 minute stretch of this type of information could be cut and this film would fly. This film would just kill you. Yeah. And I think though, what these directors do with this film correctly far outweighs the horrific misses. I think that they are they understand in ways that others don't how to do multiple characters. And when you start looking again at their television experience, Arrested Development, Community, those are very large ensemble casts. Yeah, they yeah. understand the ensemble environment. So, and, and another thing that I, I, I realize the comic book nerd friends of mine will kill me, the whole side story with Thor being fat and lazy <laughs> is a funny sight gag that goes on about 20 way, minutes too long. Way too long. Thor, it's just like, okay, right. let's go. And, and, and again, for the first miss for me, was pretty close uh, in the beginning, which was um, after Thanos has snapped his fingers and half the population has disappeared. Mm -hmm. It's now the movie starts with them picking up the pieces and the relationships and everything. I, the animosity... Okay, so Tony Stark's on the ship. He's dying. Mm -hmm. Then Captain Marvel arrives and mm -hmm. saves him. He lands, and he's got an IV in his arm, and he immediately starts being a dick to you know captain america and everybody else yelling i told you this has happened we needed this blah 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 i completely disagree i think that misses so big because he just almost died he just got rescued you would think he would have a little perspective when he was sitting there in space preparing himself for the end to just immediately jump up and get in captain america's face and be like you know uh, you guys you know you guys could have well we could have prevented this you're a dick i'm done i'm done bye bye and to me, I, I think that if something of that magnitude happened, people would gain a lot more perspective. And those relationships you have with the people that didn't disappear would be so much more uh, cherished and, and appreciated. So right from the get-go there, I'm like, why, why, is, why are we spending this time and, and you know, this energy on this, this emotion and this plot line that hey, we know everybody's gone, but I'm still going to be a dick to the guy that I feel, you know, messed up and, and caused this all to happen. I agree and disagree with you. I agree that, yeah, you would think, you would hope that that character would learn. But yeah. I, I've recently sat with my daughter and watched the entirety of Game of Thrones, watching those new episodes. And I often have to tell her, you, you in my opinion, you have to separate yourself from what you think that yes. character should learn yes. to what the writer wants that character to learn. Right. And it, if you remove 
that tension. Right. Then you have a nice scene. You have a, oh, hey, yeah. it's good to see you. Oh, yeah, I've been out in space. Everybody's dead. It's okay. You have to have conflict. You have to have people. And and what I find so interesting in something like Game of Thrones that does the same ensemble thing is that people make the wrong decision. Yes, you're right. And I think Stark at least makes the wrong decision and eventually kind of owns it. Yes. So yes. I, I agree and disagree. I can see both sides of it. I yeah. I do think every you know every scene you have has to have some tension, whether it be an internal, external fight, whatever it may be. You have to have those points, or it's not drama. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just sitting around and talking. So and, and you and, and you do make a very good point. I mean, I, th this is my opinion. This is the way I perceived it and thought the story could be better. And and who am I but one person? So I I welcome and appreciate your thoughts on it because. That's part of the beautiful uh, part of going and seeing a movie is that you are seeing it, right? We can talk about we both saw the same movie, but right. I've got my past and my experiences and my me uh, right. interpreting all of it. So this is this is great. I love this. But, you know, for me, that was just a big miss. Uh, to me, Tony Stark, you know, I think to me, he could have said, look, you know, I, you know, I tried to tell you guys and, you know, uh, obviously we lost. I'm focusing on family and daughter and, you know, I'm done with this. I've poured my life into being a superhero and at every turn they have rejected me and told me that I was crazy, blah, 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 which I guess he kind of says, but then just leave it as I'm out of five. I'm gone. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to be around this, which they kind of pick up when they go back to try and recruit him. Um, but again, back with the pacing, it starts out. Of course, I was very surprised to see Thanos lose his head. Um, um, but then I thought that was interesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it, it was a, if boy, talk about a callback, you know, it was like months ago and then, you know, he does the whole line about, well, I aimed for his head. Um, but the, uh, um, the pacing again for me, then we come back and everybody's crying and everybody's depressed and, and all hope is gone. And then all of a sudden Ant-Man appears and starts to seek out the Avengers and everything. And I thought the scene where he went to the monument with all the names on it was a little unneeded, where I think it could have just, he could have appeared and then just immediately gone to the house and saw, seen his daughter. But again, like you said, they've got to, they've got to kind of write something in there and have kind of a transition. And, and I liked that. I liked that scene being evocative of what we do. Boy, I'm using the word evocative a lot today. Um, being closely tied to what we do in tragedies where you erect monuments and things like that. And I kind of, I kind of liked it, but I entirely see what yeah. you just meant about that. He could have skipped it. And in the urgency, instead of him looking for his daughter's name there, he could have just run to the house yeah. beating on the door. But uh, yeah. you know, who, who but at would the do same that? time that, that serves first. as him also <laughs> understanding how much has touched yeah. the world. So, you know, sure that he's seen the devastation, but now with the monument, he, conveniently happens upon it right. at least says there are a lot of people gone right which i think they beat us over the head with in, in the film because they had they showed that in so many ways the empty cities the small uh, little groups the the counseling groups and everything so i i just think it was just another reminder hey remember everybody's gone you know well if everybody's gone who's going to make that <laughs> monument and how long did it take to make that and well you know, i i thought the i thought the counseling scene was interesting from a perspective that first off that was disney very subversively putting in that that man is gay and i was like wow in a movie like this to have him lamenting about going on a first date with a man i was like oh that's kind of I shocking didn't, i didn't even catch that it, it it just really floored me but 
I, I liked it, but I also, I found that scene weird because now Captain America is a group counselor. Yeah. Everybody knows this man's face. They're not all sitting there going, hey, Cap, why are you, you know, it, it, did, it didn't work. It's right. And it wasn't needed. The, it, it just was an odd scene. Yes. Group. Hello, I'm Captain America. But today, that'd be like, you know, one of our ex-presidents, George Bush, being the, the, the group counselor for grief. You yeah, know, it's like, exactly. why are you here? So, again, some of those elements, and I understand, again, and, and I, you know, tip of the cap to the directors, the story writers, all the people who put it on. I mean, they, they succeeded in what, uh, what what they were trying to do. Of course, it, it, just like you said, scenes have to have conflicts, so, conflict, so I've got to pick out and I've got to talk about some things that, you know, struck me in a weird way when it when it came to watching the movie. Um, so we, we go there, Ant-Man arrives, and he's all jazzed up like he's just done a bunch of cocaine, and he starts... Uh, going on and on about time travel and the fact that he was in the whatever space it is i can't remember but when he gets really small he goes into like a nanoverse and so he starts talking about hey we should get this time travel thing and we could go back and prevent what happened to happen and so okay all right so now we've moved the story along okay we have we've we spent plenty of time beating the audience over the head that everybody's gone and captain american's a council, grief counselor and and all this other stuff but now we've got a potential solution so of course who are they going to go talk to about this potential solution but the best mind in the world which happens to be the guy that's still pissed at captain america and doesn't want anything to do with him and that would be tony stark so they go talk to him what did you think about that story development i i expected i mean i in a film like this, I don't think you can expect huge turns on things like that. I I don't have a problem with time travel the way you do. Yes, right. it is convenient, but it's also expected. Okay. Um, when someone is captured, we expect the hero to rescue them. Right. So if you're going to say that one thing is one or the other, you can't Got be it. cool with this if you're not cool with that. Right. Okay. Um, I I. I don't know. I, I got into the whole thing and I what the one thing I thought about is that this where the last film felt fresh to me because it took the time to make even the smallest characters seem rich. Yeah. This one seemed like it was rushing to get to the end, even though it's three fragging hours long. <laughs> it's just, oh, I'm really sad. You want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Yes. Oh my god, we get you know, and yep. it's just like very well god, said. Yeah. It, once again, which lends to your pacing thing. It yeah. it was paced oddly. Yes. It was an odd in fact, pace. I fell asleep in the mid and one part <gasps> around there. Oh wow! Well, you didn't I miss did. much. So then they obviously they go talk to Tony Stark, and he doesn't want anything to do with it. So then they got to go talk to the Hulk. Which odd storyline? Bruce Banner is now walking around full time Hulk, but a sophisticated, a Renaissance Hulk. Which you know, anytime he came on screen, you could just hear this music playing because he's got glasses. He's wearing. Oxford shirts and and just you know so then again for me that was a bit of a you know I was like oh, wait a second what why does this need to be part of the storyline why does well, the Hulk that is to... something from the comic books and I got I have to step in on ah. you that, he, that is called professor that's professor professor Hulk ah. is what the, the nerds refer to and if you ever really look into the Hulk's 
story. It's odd that they've not made films out of him, that they don't think they can make these films that will be a good narrative with that character. He's a very interesting character because okay. just because he was expo- exposed to that radiation doesn't mean that he's always been a one-note character of, right. I get mad and I smash. He eventually learns how to control it. Right. And what he said, I learned that eventually if I just become it, then that's who I am. Right. Okay. So I actually, I was like, oh, this is cool. They're actually doing that. That's All pretty right. cool. And, and you have to remember, uh, kind listener, for those of you that are, are comic book uh, uh, readers, I don't know any of this because there's another point in the movie that I thought was a huge miss that I went and looked up and found out that it was actually in the comic book. So, I, you know, so now we got a Hulk who's a sophisticated guy and he's going to try and help him. And the scene where they're testing it out on Ant-Man where he was a baby and then this and that was kind of funny. And then we have a mm-hmm. I peed my pants joke. Which, again, I thought was oddly paced because, again, I'm, we're still lingering with this overshadowing of doom and gloom. And then we're doing pee in my pants jokes. But that's fine. I do, but you have to have that. Yeah, if you're yeah. going to do doom and gloom, you have to have a little bit of balance in there. Right. Where it's this. So it's not all doom and gloom. If you go, even go watch uh, Empire Strikes Back, which is a very dark film, there are moments of yes. romance and levity in there just to at least get us through. But not peeing in the pants. Um, and I thought that was except a, I thought when that you was... go to Phantom Menace, and that's when they step in duty. So. <laughs> so then, you know, then of course Tony Stark uh, is secretly working on the solution, finds the solution very quickly, mind you. Uh, that that was kind of oddly paced. They didn't even do like a uh, uh, a, ma- a menage, not menage. What's the what's where they montage? Cut, montage. Thank you. Well, got a little dirty for a second. They, they didn't even do a montage where it was like him writing on paper and crumpling it up and throwing it in the trash can and all this other stuff. He's just playing around with a supercomputer and he's like okay run this model and then boom he's found the solution to navigating time travel but i thought that that actually added something to the character because he has been i don't want to do this you can't do this and suddenly when he's just flippantly trying it yeah it's that apparent to someone like him and he's i i actually thought that was a pretty smart choice instead of making it the very stereotypical because he doesn't want to try no he doesn't he actually, and, and he stumbles on it easily. Yeah. Um, if you had all the power over these movies, would you go back and recast Tony Stark's better half? I cannot stand Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, every time she speaks, yeah, it it's like somebody wrinkling a popcorn bag in the movie theater yeah, next to me. Yeah, I wish they could do that. Nothing against her personally, but even later oh, it's when, against her personally when you see when you see her in an iron man i that to me was another huge miss when she flies up in her iron man suit i'm like get out of town no 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 anyway so I, I bought that and i didn't even know that was from the comic books i did buy that i was like oh you know what if i loved somebody so much and i i realized the the fate of humanity rested on it and i could help i'd help you put him in your band so you could hold a boom box during your gig absolutely that's what i've done for you there you go um so then tony has a little heart to heart with her and then they're like okay well i'm gonna do this so then we cut back to the avengers uh headquarters and ant-man's trying to eat a taco which i thought was funny because it, it was a good segue to show that now a starship's there and now the avenger the avengers are starting to assemble and then tony stark pulls up in his audi and says i've fixed it he hands captain america a shield which i thought was made out of adamantium which is one of the most indestructible metals on earth, but later we find out maybe it isn't. Um, and they go in and they start executing the plan, you know, where it's borrowing from uh, Ocean's Eleven and uh, uh, what's the uh, what's the Quentin Tarantino dog one? Um, 
Reservoir Dogs, where it's the, the <laughs> dog cut, one, the 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 menage, the montage of them preparing and working on the solution and everything. So we're we're now I'm getting excited because now we're actually going to execute to the point of the film that I'm interested in and what they're going to do. Um, there's some funny pop culture references when they start quoting Back to the Future and any other time travel movie about what the laws are of time travel and everything. I thought that was kind of funny. I thought that was well done. Um, and once they find the solution, then they've got to go find Thor. And then this is where, yes, very funny, but beat, beaten way too much. And that is they find Thor in a fishing town and he's playing video games and he's drinking beer and he's fat. You know, I thought that actually this part of the film, its, it's issue began earlier when you talked about Tony Stark pulling up in his Audi and he pulls up past Captain America. Yeah. And that, that little joke goes on for only about 15 to 20 seconds, Yes, but it's 15 to 20 seconds valuable time that I didn't need right. that bullshit. Right. And, and kind listener, forgive me for being so passionate about that. But when I watched it, I thought this is indulgence. I don't need this. They, they already have this, this relationship that when they're getting along, they kind of ding each other. You don't need it again. This is the moment where, if anything, what should have happened is he should have pulled up, and is and Captain's looking down at him, and maybe the window stays up, and Tony puts his head down just for a minute to be like, "I'm sucking it up a bit, and I'm going to speak, and then roll down the window talk." But that playfulness is ill placed. Right. I, I I just and so then we get into the 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 Thor thing. Yeah. And I did think at first, I thought, oh, this is an interesting development. I kind of like this about this character. Yeah. But just all the video games and all this kind of stuff, I thought, okay, I get it. He's... Fortnite plug in there. Yes. Yeah. And I, I did think that was funny because I go back to being in your house and playing yeah. with the kids yeah, and yeah. not knowing what I'm doing. And I thought, oh, well, there are other people <laughs> in the world that kind of feel this way. Um, it just it keeps going and it keeps going and there's so much of this that i even didn't feel like thor had earned this sense of being lost i i I didn't quite understand that's like he chopped his head off yeah and now he's lost right and he got the ultimate revenge if anything he should be the one that's angry because you know usually doing something like chopping that head off it's the anger that i didn't do enough beforehand right I don't know. It was it was very very odd development for that character. And we're also talking about a character that says two or three times he's been alive for thousands of years. In thousands of years, he's never hit a low point before. He doesn't know how to deal with it. You would think by then, he would almost be zen like with handling loss and you know uh, things happening in his life that weren't necessarily always good. So I, I was kind of same way. And I did think it was funny. I did laugh when I saw him, and I thought, hey, this I is, is kind of cool. But then I thought, when is he going to snap his fingers or they're going to do a menage, I'm sorry, montage of him getting back in shape and working out to Jane Fonda or something like that. I thought that that, that would have been kind of fun. I kept expecting the Rocky theme. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I thought that might have been funny. But, you know, anyway, I now for all the negative things we're saying with this there and I'm looking at the IMD page, IMDB page and there's yeah. one character here that we've completely jumped over okay and is literally my wife's favorite character that i like the choices they made for him and that's hawkeye yes hawkeye loses his family yes and he takes his skills and almost becomes ninja-like hunting down people that have yeah. done horrible things that i think is interesting yeah and that's kind of what i'm talking about with thor now you can't do every character can't right. be i'm angry i'm going to go do these things 
but I thought his choices were interesting that he's just going to kill everything he can. Yeah. And it made me want to see more of him. Right. And I, I think that uh, Chris Hems, what's his name? Hemsworth. Oh, thank you. I could not get that in my mind. I think he's a really good actor. I think he's great in that role of Thor. I thought it was just a stupid choice for him. Okay. And I, that may be comic book choices i just i don't like it yeah i mean to me this you know if you if, to make a sandwich uh analogy this is a big piece of bread with a lot of different characters and a lot and a huge storyline i just think that they just have, were spread a little thin um mm -hmm. with all of that and that's the other reason you know that kind of just gets to these movies that have multiple superheroes in it i kind of already have a problem with it I, one is fine for me but you know 18 of them are it gets a little weird well, and, and, you know, and I'm sorry to keep jumping back no. in the film, but as I'm looking at the stars here, another odd choice is why is Natasha Scarlett Johansson, why is she in charge of the Avengers? Yeah. It, she gets put in charge of the Avengers when everyone walks away. Captain, Captain's so noble. He would, I don't know that he would yeah. ever step away from that entirely. And yeah. it just, there were weird things like that. And again, I realize this may be um, something from the actual comic books. I just don't buy it. Right. And it just, I don't know. They felt so disjointed. I, and that's where I, I guess the story didn't work for me on that right. level where they don't even feel like they're being true to their characters. Right. So they basically re-recruit -re the team. They get what they need. They have the plan. They have the technology. And now they're going to split into teams and go gather the five stones from the different points in time and bring them back. Um, again, another step, and I, I, I here as well thought it was it, the pacing needed to be picked up a little bit. The scene where the Hulk, the now sophisticated Hulk, is supposed to smash and stuff, I thought that scene went on a little bit too long where he's like pretending like he's smashing stuff and being his old self. Um, the And then you mentioned earlier the scene where Tony Stark runs into his father, and that kind of scene went a while. Like, the fate of the universe, you know, is in their hands and he's sitting there having small talk with his dad while Captain America is like saying, dude, you know, we need to we need to go. Um, then you also split uh, the story already kind of into other uh, branches trying to get the different stones. I thought the one with the Hulk where he was trying to get this time stone that that was kind of just like. You know, no, 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 no. And then as he's given up, he's like, well, I can't believe that Dr. Strange gave him the stone. And all of a sudden, the woman that's protecting him is like, oh, he did that? Well, here, here you go. So I actually bought that. I mean, that was one of those I was like, okay, yeah, this makes sense for the character that she realizes he's the best. And right. he's supposed to. I, I thought that was pretty well done. Um, and then, you know, the stones are reunited. They um, put the glove on. Meanwhile, someone has infiltrated the team from Thanos's team and one of the times in uh, space and and just as they're going to snap everything right Thanos brings his huge warship uh into the the current time and the big battle begins um again I'm you know it, I thought that was fine and and I'm enjoying it now because I know what we're leading up to which is the big battle and the Hulk puts on the glove, which I thought was good because he's talking about gamma radiation and he was made for it, but he still gets hurt. And then there's a huge fight sequence uh, with Thanos and the Avengers. And I'm still just having difficulty understanding that Thanos is that powerful. He knocks the crap out of Captain America's shield. And I'm, I'm going like, I'm like, and again, it could be in the comic book, but I'm like, I had him I thought that that couldn't be broken. It's what uh, Wolverine's 
claws and skeletals were lined with. So, but to that extent, that's Earth rules. Oh, that's that our knowledge. It can't be broken. And I, th- I do think in these situations, it's it's if you go to the ultimate superhero of all, Superman, who is essentially cannot be beaten except for uh, Kryptonite. You have to have something where the tables right. can be turned, right. and I, so I thought that I, I thought that at least shows that Thanos has a strength or an ability that goes beyond what we understand. Yeah. So you know, and but I think that what that then becomes is almost a metaphor for it's not the shield; it's the person that's right. You're right. having it. And so See, I thought I thought that was pretty interesting. Now that makes sense. I, I you know, and again, uh, I want to say overall again, I want to reiterate to the kind listener: this movie is worth seeing, and I, I encourage everybody to go see it. Uh, I'm just being dead honest with 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 my buddy Absolutely. Todd here and talking. I uh, don't want you to think that it's a downer. It, it, these are just things that, that 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 stood out to me. And now we get to the biggest one where I've I, oh, and I was going to say, uh, and I, I'm wondering how much of my movie experience and in interpreting and seeing this movie was affected by constant talking and rapper rustling. Because yeah. if I'm constantly being snapped out of it then i've got to get back into it and snapped out of it so you know again if i'd seen it by myself at home maybe it would have been a little different um when captain america picks up thor's hammer now i did read online and i guess it did happen in in the comic book and all this other stuff the only people can wield the hammer are those that are worthy i understand complete virtue yes complete virtue and i understand to the comic book readers out there they had to have that moment because they followed it really close and and you made me realize too if they're following that close to the comic book then bravo and if i had read all of them then i'm sure i would be singing its praises because i'm sure a lot of people wanted to see right they had read this comic book and then they're like oh and then you know captain america picks up his his hammer and starts to fight uh you know the bad guys with it that would be a really exciting moment to me it was like what but you know i I really liked the moment because, uh, you know, it's just as Thor even says, I knew it. Right. Cap is without question the most virtue, virtuous of all of them. Right. And he's strong enough to do it. Um, I And I thought bravo to Marvel, bravo to the filmmakers of paying complete fan service yes. here. Yes. Because this was the first moment when little girl in front of me decided to showboat <laughs> how big of a Marvel fan she was. <laughs> she literally, if if she could have would have stood up to start pumping her fist in the air. Woo. Yeah. Come on, cap. Let's kill him. I'm like, stop, <laughs> stop it. One little, yeah, would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it was, that was a horrible, it, it, it I went from the highs of awesome. That is a great yeah. film moment to shut up. Right. So then they have their battle, and despite all of them being there, um, at least the ones that were searching for the stones, they still can't get Thanos's number. Um, so then Captain gets beat up, the Thor's beat up, the everybody else has been knocked out or is away, and then right as Thanos says that he's going to, you know, basically mess up the planet Earth and it's going to be personal and you see in the background all those warships and and minions and everybody are gathering to destroy then the Doctor Strange teleportation yellow circles open and there are all the people that um were lost when 
Thanos had snapped his fingers and we're reunited with so many of the characters and you know that was a nice moment to kind of everybody come back yeah I thought that was a pretty powerful moment um I thought the Spidey when Spidey runs into Stark and Stark hugs him and and you know it was funny that they had that they wrote that Spider-Man got in there and he's like, "Hey, I remember turning to dust, and then there was this, and now I'm here." I mean, it was kind of a way to sum it all up, right? Um, but the one that I was a little disappointed in, and I'm sure it was funny. And of course, you know, guys getting kicked in the nuts is funny. Uh, was when uh, Death Star or whatever his name is uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy is reunited with his love, but yeah. it's on a different timeline, and she doesn't know. Uh, where he is, uh, who he is, and so when he goes in to to touch her, she, you know, kicks him in the balls twice, and he has the funny line, "You missed the first time, but the second time you got him." But uh, what? She just disappears. There's never that moment. I don't know if they're like leading up to another Guardians of the Galaxy where he's going to go get her. They are okay because that was again. I understand now for the plot line and everything, but I'm just like you know. Kind of it, like it was a empty. weird. It's a weird choice not to have her leave with Thanos. So we are to something, you know. Yes. Not not well. Obviously, we can't leave with Thanos, but leave that we don't see her depart. Right. So th- that was an odd choice. I thought I, I liked the Peter Parker moment too. I thought that was very sweet. Yeah. I thought it echoed to that Tony's become a dad in so many ways. Yeah. Um. And not only has he become one, he was already one. And you know, to Peter, I I thought with the little moment with the guardians of the galaxy thing. I, I was like, how many, t- how many times do we stop down for this? But I also, I'm going to go to game of Thrones, game of Thrones tonight is supposed to have the, the longest episode they've yet had. That is known to be now the longest filmed fight scene. Oh, wow. And listening to that director, he said, you know, he'd done a lot of research. He said, when they're the longest film fight scene, it is. Yes. The entirety of this episode is a fight but you have to create little vignettes of yes. information where they stop down and characters think about it or reassess or what's yeah. going on, or they have moments of drama that are in, contained with it. So I realize that you can't just have everybody kicking each other's ass in this moment. Right, you have right. to have moments of quiet talk. I don't know. I just, I, when it stopped down for that, I thought, I don't know. It, it, I just, I thought I don't really need this moment. Right. Right. And it was another of those. I, I thought the fight scene by and large, was constructed beautifully. I thought that the heroic moment of the people coming on, on the Doctor Strange portals yeah. was amongst the best I've ever seen as far as you have waited for two, uh, how many ever years it took them to construct this universe, two years yeah. with these films. You've waited now through two and a half hours of the first and about two hours of this one, so almost five hours of one yeah. movie to get this moment. Here it is. And I thought it was delivered beautifully. Yeah. We get moments of that as they as they are passing around the gauntlet and trying to get away from Thanos yeah. that eventually all the women come together yes. in a very heroic shot that yeah. I, I thought, you know, it was, it was obvious that they were going to do it, but I thought it was yeah. pretty important. They did it and yeah. I liked it. Um, I, I don't have a lot of problems when it comes to a lot of this, but again, what we've said before, the pacing even here has a couple of moments of oddities right. that are just like, Man, if they if they'd been a little more judicious and and the studio might have said instead of three hours, could we make it two forty five? Yeah, I think you might have had a, a tighter sequence yeah, even in this part. I agree. So then we get to the uh, final portion of the the uh, movie where Thanos wrestles the glove away and a couple times starts to power up, and 
the last time he gets the glove and starts to power up, Iron Man jumps on him and, and they kind of have Russell and everything. And Thanos, Thanos snaps his fingers again. And of course, nothing happens. And it turns out that Tony Stark, while wrestling with Thanos, has uh, wrestled away the Infinity Stones and now have it on his hand. And of course, he says, I'm Iron Man. Well, first off, Thanos says, I'm inevitable. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he goes, I'm. Iron Man, which I thought was it was a funny line. It was, it was. And he snaps his fingers, and then Thanos, which I guess when you snap your fingers, it's whatever you want to have happen. Is that what it is? I believe that's okay, correct. All right. So he makes his his wish, and Thanos starts to melt away. And then Tony Stark is really hurt because he doesn't have gamma ray uh, blood like the Hulk, and he dies. And I wanted to be emotional. I wanted to feel sadness. But I think I was at the point where I was like, good, the movie's getting ready to end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, do you, what, what were your thoughts of that? I mean, was that, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've read it in the comic book. I, I, did that happen in the comic book? Does Tony Stark I don't know that or? he dies in the comic book. I really oh, okay. don't know, I believe. But it, it, again, I'm more of a DC person, and I know how DC works. You can kill Bruce Wayne, yeah. but eventually in about a year, they're gonna Bruce Wayne somehow didn't die, and they're going to bring him back. Yeah. Um, I know that Rich, uh, Robert Downey Jr. has wanted to step away. Yeah. Uh, oh, Chris yeah. Evans wants to step away from yeah. playing Captain America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really understand why these guys are so ready to step away because I was saying this to my wife last night because Shelly is the queen of reading spoilers before she sees something, so I'm oh, never boy. ruining anything for her. Right. Um, I said, I don't understand the ideas of killing these characters why not just have them simply take some time away and they're, they don't have their standalone Captain America yeah. and Iron Man movies. And then in about three years, you can come shoot another part of another Avengers film because even though Tony Stark is arguably one of the main characters of this film, of a three-hour film, he probably has maybe 40 minutes of screen time, which 40 minutes of screen time might take him three to four weeks to shoot. Yeah. Three to four weeks, how much money does he make on this? A few million. <laughs> You're going to tell me for three to four weeks of work, you wouldn't go do this and then have right. the re remainder of the year to do whatever you want? Right. Yeah. I, so I don't understand. I I wanted to be emotional too, and I was to an extent because I think that I think probably the biggest stroke of genius that ever occurred for the Marvel Universe was the casting of Robert Downey Jr. I thought he was yeah. spot on perfect. Yeah. Uh, when they launched this whole thing with Iron Man, if he had not been as great as he was, I don't know that you would have the success that leads to this. I agree. So I was sad to see him go for that. I didn't feel the emotional resonance right. that was being shown on screen. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, how do you, how do you do, how do you deal? How do you shoot? How do you produce the death of a superhero? And, and by all accounts, I think they, they hit it well where I think, yeah. where I think they goofed was the funeral. So the shot is of a wreath placed in water with the little uh, um, sign or ornament that Iron Man made for his for for what's her name Poppins it, Penny. It, well, it's his power source. Yeah, and it, but but he gave it to her in one of the previous Iron Man movies because this is this is proof that that Tony Stark has a heart and it's his old technology heart mm -hmm. when he upgrades. So that was a nice callback, and I thought that was great. And I could see that floating off, and just a, maybe an over-the-shoulder shot of the daughter, and and what's her Penny Piggins? What's her character name? Which is populous. I'm I'm sorry. What was that? Could you say again what you thought they were? Penny Piggins. It's a P, right? 
Pepper. Pepper, yeah, and Pepper and the daughter and the 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 wreath, you know, floats out of focus. Boom. Go to next scene. No, they start to do this odd camera movement of all the people that attended his funeral. Like that, like we don't know they would actually go to his funeral. But the biggest distraction for me was you could easily tell there is no way in hell they got all of these famous actors on that. Uh, on that by that cabin on the side of the lake you can tell or my eye picked it up I could be wrong that they shot those individually and then edit them together uh, They were all shot in front of a green screen and then they placed them with light and everything in, uh, in front of them So that moment I, I have to disagree with you I think is a very important and powerful moment because that is such a call to actual comic books themselves ah, If see, there you we go were again. to have the death of a character It's much like that if you have a battle scene and they've done this in the previous Avengers film where you almost see the two sides. I'm sorry, I just hit my mic because I'm trying to show Jeff. Like, it's one shot and you see them all coming together yeah. like they're about to clash. Yeah. Boom. And they kind of almost do that in this film. Right. But that final shot, which is all the characters standing together, that is so comic booky. Um, the only thing I didn't care uh, for the cameras and, and you may be right that they did that at least parts of it green screen, because I, what I don't like is how it goes from one to the other. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. thought that what they should have done, done was just slowly pull out to, yes. you know, nicely frame it, show it yes. to me. Um, it was an odd choice as far as camera goes, but yeah. at the same time, I thought this is pretty cool that they're doing almost a panel from a comic book. And why was anybody standing next to, um, uh, Captain Marvel? Cause she's a bitch. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would have said none of them her. really know her. Yeah. But still you walk up, you shake a hand, man. Sorry for your loss. Right. Maybe, maybe after this, we go get some pimento cheese sandwiches and, you know, throw back a couple cold ones. Well, you would think that, you know, cause Nick Fury shows up and Nick yeah. Fury knows her from her movie. He could at least come and stand beside her. I just thought it was weird. They had her standing by herself, but, uh, well, let's also want to get to Captain Marvel a little bit. Yes. Um, did you see that that film? I haven't, and I regret the fact that I because I once she was introduced into the movie, mm -hmm. uh, I was like, oh, shist, I didn't. Well, it's funny because I'm glad that at the last minute I had not seen the last Ant Man. I thought, eh, I probably ought to watch that. Well, thank God I did, or I wouldn't have understood what the van with the little time travel <laughs> thing in it was. Um, but Captain Marvel, I really like Brie Larson as an actress. Oh, I thought yes. in the film Room, which she won the Academy yes. Award for, I thought she was stunningly yes, good. She's and beautiful. Oh my gosh, gorgeous woman! Yeah, yeah. Uh, a very powerful actress. I, I did not like the Captain Marvel movie. I thought this is, in, in fact, my Ooh. daughter who will, if you mildly entertain Abby, she'll at least go. That's pretty good. Yeah. She she really said I was really bored with it. It was just <laughs> another superhero movie. Right. I was really disappointed with how they used Captain Marvel. That you know, yeah, she shows up and she's one of the main heroes at the end. But there was just something that yeah. was like, that's all this build about how powerful she is. And yeah. at the last film, Nick Fury's calling her to save the day. And all she does is come blow up the ship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was like, yeah, yeah. man, that was kind of a letdown for that character. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It was, it was, uh, to me, if you think about that movie, and I'm glad you said it wasn't good because now I won't watch it for a while, but you know, it was it, to me this the the other movies that came out were were the were the tortilla chip to deliver the bites and yummies on the nacho that is this movie. So yeah, I'm I'm sure when they were writing and producing that movie, I mean I'm sure they gave it a good effort, but at the same time they had their eyes on the big prize, which was going to be the, right. the end game and everything. So, well, you know, and and again we're we're knocking a lot of this, and I. I on a scale of one to ten, what's your rating for this? I'd give it a solid s s 
6.87 maybe. I'd probably go eight, eight and a half. Okay. Uh, so we're not that far off no. on what we think about it. Yeah. Uh, if first off, if you're a Marvel fan, you've already seen this yeah. and you loved it, and, and we do not want to negate what you feel about it because I do think the film works by and large. Yes, yes, yes. But again, those places where it doesn't are just problematic, and you begin to think. I thought the first one understood how to completely yes. tell these stories yes. and whatnot. This one seems to. It's almost like the Matrix films where the first yeah. Matrix understood, it established, yeah. it was cranking, that gave it, the, the rest of them just seemed like a recycle of it. Now That's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's well said. So last night I saw Barry Jenkins, who is the director that I actually got a like one of my Ooh, comments I told you about not too yes. long ago. Uh, when I told, when I tweeted out Bill, if Bill Street could talk was one of my favorite films of the year, he gave me a thumbs up on it. Nice. While I saw one of his comments last night. He said, for those of you that don't, it wasn't this condescending. But for those of you that don't understand directing or whatever, I just want to point out what a fine job the Russo brothers did nice. with this enormous film. Yes. yes. And th this is, we've knocked some of the pacing and all this. One thing that I want to call out is, as we probably come to the end of this. Yeah. One thing they do that is monumental that I probably will go back and watch these films because I like to understand how they did it. Right. When you have this many characters. Yeah to never let your audience misunderstand or doubt where they are, what they're doing, what yes. their purpose is that's, that's, to yeah. give them emotional resonance, to do all these things. That is it's huge. Huge. And he, he called that out in his tweet that I saw last night as I was going to bed and he just went through this long diatribe about, you have to understand yeah. this many characters. How does each one of them resonate within a scene? How do they have relationships with all the characters? How do I know what's going on, where they are, the spatial relations of it, and especially a fight scene that huge that you're never yeah. confused about who's doing what, what's going on. Yeah. It's, and, it's huge. I just wish they would have cut it down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very easy. Just like, uh, people do with sports or anything else it's easy for us to sit here and, and pick it apart because you know we we have a podcast and you know we hope our listeners are enjoying it but you're right i i, did, I, I agree with you 100 and i think it's worth saying you know kudos because it, it it was well done um and i i would definitely recommend going and seeing it in a theater just you know wait a couple weeks when it slows down so you don't have to sit around a bunch of people i may go do that myself because now that you've given me some perspective as far as storyline and i understand that now I mean, it makes it much clearer and i i thank you for that because some of those wait what moments i understand now we're in the comic book so if they didn't have captain america pick up thor's hammer the proverbial s would have hit the fan because the, right. the 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 readers would have been like, this is nothing like it. This is terrible. So kudos to them for for following the style, uh, following the storyline. I'm starting to stumble over words because we're into an hour and a half. So this is in, in its way our tribute to uh, Avengers and <laughs> <laughs> being such a long broadcast. Um, so we'll we'll start to shut things down, folks. Todd, final thoughts? Anything uh, anything else you want to mention or talk about? You know, the, the, the last thing I want to say ties into what you were just saying. This this film does a very good job of acknowledging the comic books of which they come from. But yeah. I think it does an even better job of not simply telling note for note the stories that were in the comic books. They do their own version of yeah. it. They found that. So, yeah, it gives fan service when Cap picks up the, Thor's hammer. But I know that some of this is also their own creation and how things work. Yeah. Um, I... I I really think by and large it works. So when you go in there, hopefully what we've done is at least open the doors that you kind of know that some of the middle sections are a little slower, 
I don't mind slow when slow gives me information that makes it a deeper resonating story. And I don't think this does. Well said. And we thank you, the kind listener, for for hanging out with us. Go see the film. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, I know this was episode 50, and we had some plans to kind of make a big deal about it. But, you know, work and everything else kind of gets in the way. But we have some important things that uh, we're working on and some cool announcements we'll have uh, in the following weeks. So, again, um, for those of you that have seen the movie that completely disagree with Todd or completely disagree with me or have your own um, view on it, feel, feel free to email us, uh, uh, info at theotherkindradio.com or jeff at theotherradio.com, otherkindradio.com, or Todd at theotherkindradio. It's failing fast here, folks. Um, reach out, let us know. Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. And uh, uh, till next week, uh, have, a, have a, a pleasant week. Be safe out there. Take care of each other. Uh, for Todd, myself, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, you listen to the other kind radio uh, yet again, and to take us out, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit more of uh, Todd's latest project. Uh, ooh, ooh, so loud! Um, this is the Dive Bar Boombox, and I'm trying to find the volume button so I can turn it down. Everybody, have a good week. Thank you. See you next time.
I said, baby, don't waste your time Cause I know what's on your mind I may be qualified for a one-night stand But I can never take the place of your man Placing your man Placing your man Placing your 